ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. I'm your host, obviously, Garrison Hardy. Long time no see. It has been um, going on three months now since I made an episode, and so I suddenly got the itch to make another podcast episode, uh, and here I am. So I'm going to try and make it regular now for Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays to get uh, new content and episodes out for you guys. No promises, though, because I don't exactly have a great track record of making this. So um, I'm going to do my best, and we'll just have to wait and see where this goes. Um, I've been distracted by a lot of side projects. I've been focusing more on sports writing with my website, uh, on Garrison Talk Sports, uh, that's on Wix.com, and I've also been focusing on uh, uh, voice acting on Voice One Two Three. I've got a profile set up on there; you can find me there and some of my work. Uh, but basically, uh, clients will send in proposals for, uh, or they'll send in audition requests to me uh, for me to send in proposals for their uh, commercials that they have going on. Uh, it could be audiobooks, video game characters, just simple advertisements, you name it. Uh, that's been taking up a lot of my time, and that's why I kind of fell off the face of the earth when it comes to recording podcasts. So I'm going to try and do both. Uh, I'm going to try Monday mornings will be dedicated to voiceovers. Uh, I get off work at 330 and then at that point, I'll try and make a podcast for Garrison Talk Sports. But I also might try and do it in reverse. I don't know yet. I might just do my podcast in the morning and get that over with. The problem with the podcast is it takes probably close to an hour every time for me to make the script for the show. Uh, I don't have anybody writing it for me. I gather all the information myself and put it together. So... It does take a lot of time and research on my end to come up with these episodes. And at times, I just really don't feel like doing it, which, you know, isn't a great way to build an audience, that's for sure. So I apologize on that end, and I'm certainly going to try and get back on track. So without further ado, guys, it's time for my rundown portion of this show. And we're going to start with the NBA. So from last night... Milwaukee defeated the 76ers by a score of 128 to 122. The Bucks with this win clinch at least a share of the best record in the NBA and currently sit at 59 and 20. Um, Mike Budenholzer, I haven't heard anything from him, head coach of the Bucks for those who don't know. I'm not I haven't heard anything from him suggesting that he's going to sit his stars uh, that he's certainly that that's certainly a possibility with only three games left on their schedule. They also clinch home court advantage through the playoffs, which is nice. Um, Giannis uh, Tenacupo had an amazing night, 45 points, six assists, 13 rebounds, and five blocks. Joel Embiid for the 76ers had 34 points, 13 assists, 13 rebounds, two steals, and three blocks. So, not a bad night from him going head-to-head with Antetokounmpo. Uh, I, I feel like a performance like this certainly opens up the MVP case for Antetokounmpo versus James Harden. Those are the two likely candidates that we'll be uh, choosing from. And uh, 
you know, the argument for Antenna Kumpo is he plays for the bet as far as record goes, plays for the best team in the NBA. James Harden doesn't. Uh, Antenna Kumpo plays great defense. He plays great defense. Um, so plays both sides of the ball. James Harden doesn't. Sorry, James, you just don't play defense. End of story. Um, James Harden controls the ball almost all the time on Tenacumpo. Yes, he does a lot, but uh, he also plays off the ball and in the post and whatnot. So he doesn't always get his own shot. He's sometimes running the offense. Budenholzer is a Spurs uh, disciple of Coach Popovich. So he likes to spread the floor, run, uh, run motion, pass the ball around, get open looks. Sometimes that means Antetokounmpo isn't the main, or he's just not in the main play on that option. So um, I don't know. It could be interesting, especially with performances like this. And um, I'm I'm hopeful that Antetokounmpo is able to get out of the first round. He has. He's made a lot of big plays in the playoffs, but never once have I seen him go, you know, past that he may have gone past the first round, but never to the Western or the Eastern Conference Finals, excuse me. So uh, Bucks, definitely a team to look out for. The other game that uh, was on the schedule that I found interesting, Golden State dominated the LeBronless Lakers 108 to 90. They improved to 54 and 24 on the season while the Lakers fell to 35 and 34, or excuse me, 35 and 44. DeMarcus Cousins had 21 points, 10 rebounds in just 24 minutes on the court, and no Warrior logged more than 30 minutes in the game. Five Warriors scored in double figures. So the Warriors definitely getting ready for playoff mode. And, uh, I mean, it's tough to not see them coming out of the West and going on for the NBA Finals once again. Looking at uh, today's NBA schedule, got some good ones. The Boston Celtics at 47-32 and 32 are taking on the Indiana Pacers. That's on ESPN, 5, t- 5 p.m. Pacific time. And how about the Pacers doing this without their best player, Victor Oladipo? And they're still at 47-32, and 32, winning a chunk of games. It's because they play good, hard-nosed team basketball. So uh, Indiana Pacers are not a team I would want to be matched up with uh, in the playoffs. be interesting to see if they can make some noise, maybe pull off an upset. It's just tough to do in a seven-game series, whereas with March Madness, you never know. It's just because it comes down to one game, and whatever team's hot will usually come out on top. Uh The other game that was interesting to me tonight is between the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. Portland is at 50-28 on the season. Denver Nuggets 52-26. That is also on ESPN at 730 Pacific. So let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, NBA standings. I've got it pulled up here on the good old desktop. You look at the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee obviously has clinched the number one seed. Toronto is the two. Philadelphia... Uh, most likely the three, Boston, four, Indiana, five, Detroit, six, Brooklyn, seven, and Orlando is eight. Those bottom three are definitely not final. Uh, Indiana and Boston could potentially swap seeds as well with tonight's game. There's three games left, so still a chance for the seeds to get mixed up a little bit. But uh, Detroit, Brooklyn, Orlando, and Miami are all clumped together um Detroit is at 39 and 39, Brooklyn 39 and 40, Orlando 39 and 40 and Miami 38 and 40. 
part of me really wants Dwayne Wade to get in for one last dance to the playoffs. Would he go to the next round or anything like that? I doubt it. I don't see Miami beating Milwaukee. So it's going to come down to the wire for Miami. At 38-40, and 40, they have to get past at least Orlando or Brooklyn. Uh, both of them sit at 39-40. and 40. So the East, still a little bit of intrigue. The West is basically set. Uh, the only thing that might change is the exact seeding of a couple teams. Golden State, the one, obviously. Uh, Denver is in at two. Uh, Houston, three. Portland, four. Utah, five. The Clippers, six. Oklahoma City, seven. And the San Antonio Spurs at eight. As a Spurs fan, I'm really hoping the Spurs win out these next three games and move to the seven seed. That way, Oklahoma City would have to play Golden State, and we wouldn't. If San Antonio could match up against Denver in the first round, do I like our odds of winning? No, I don't. But we have a much better chance of surviving, that's for sure, and making it a series and potentially pulling off the upset. Uh, Denver and San Antonio, to me, are very similar in their play style, so that would be an excellent matchup. Oklahoma City would match up better against Golden State just because they have more athleticism. Uh, they probably wouldn't win, but they would have a much better shot uh, at you know competing with Golden State. San Antonio, we just don't have the athleticism to go, go in a seven-game series against Golden State. So, again, the Western Conference is set um, with those top eight teams there. Let's go ahead and move on now. I've got the Premier League tab also pulled up here as we take a look at today's scores and games currently in action. The uh, uh, Chicago White Sox took down the uh, red-hot Seattle Mariners 10-8. to As We go ahead and pull up the recap here. Um, yeah, they did this off of nine hits, no errors. Seattle's had three errors, which uh, likely cost them the game. A fun note here, Seattle uh, has homered in each of their nine games, which uh, set a new franchise record, and they just weren't able to get it done against the Red Sox. The Mariners fall to 7-2. and two. Red Sox, or excuse me, the White Sox. If I've been saying Red Sox, I apologize. Uh, the White Sox improved to 3-3 three and three on the season with the win, and uh, they'll obviously have a few more games left in the series. Uh, other games currently in action, the L.A. Dodgers lead the Colorado Rockies 6-1. to one. That's the bottom of the fifth. Uh, the bottom of the sixth, the San Diego Padres lead the Cardinals by a score of 2-1. to one. And then the only other game in action, top of the sixth, the Tampa Bay Rays lead the San Francisco Giants by a score of 4 nothing. Looking ahead, you've got the Twins and the Phillies. That's at uh, 4 Pacific. Uh, Reds and Pirates, 4 Pacific. Blue Jays and Indians, that's 410 Pacific. Red Sox, Diamondbacks, 410 Pacific. Marlins and Braves, 420 Pacific. Cubs and Brewers, 510 Pacific. And boy, are the Cubs off to a rough start themselves. I believe I heard they're at 1-5 on the season they are. So they're certainly hoping to get back on track, but that's tough to do against a tough Milwaukee Brewers team that sits at 6-1 and one right now, off to a very good start. Uh, the Athletics and Astros, um, they play at 5:10, and then the Rangers and Angels cap off the night at 7:07 Pacific. So that is your baseball rundown and schedule. Uh, stay tuned for future episodes. I'll keep updating the season as we go, and um, we'll go from there. The Premier League 
uh, also was in action today as Liverpool defeated Southampton by a score of 3-1. to one. This puts Liverpool back on top of the Premier League table over Man City. And as we look at the table, Man City, uh, or excuse me, Liverpool now has 82 points on top of the table. Manchester City with 80. And then in third, we go down to Tottenham, uh, my team, with 64. Arsenal with 63. And Chelsea with 61. Manchester United comes in at sixth on the table with 61 points. So the four, the top battle for the last two spots of the top four are certainly it, it's certainly going to heat up a little bit as we get closer to crunch time towards the end of the season. Um, there's 37 match weeks right now, and there so that means there's five more to go. So uh, the race for the top is certainly heating up, and uh, I'll keep you guys posted, as I said, on future episodes uh, about the Premier League. I'll give you scores, updates, uh, and I'll do my best to keep that current. Some other news, Zion Williamson won the AP Men's Player of the Year Award in a dominating fashion. He secured 59 of the 64 votes. The Duke freshman averaged 22.6 rebounds per game, or excuse me, points per game, not rebounds, 8.9 rebounds per game, and sixty. he shot 68% from the field. I realize a lot of that is because he dominated inside the paint, but he could also shoot the ball a lot better than myself and probably a lot of his critics originally thought. He did okay from three, and he took smart shots. You know, Zion Williamson is my personal pick to be the number one overall pick in this coming NBA draft. He can play positions one through five. Um, he can handle the ball okay, and uh, I, he, he has the potential to be effective right now. That's no disrespect to R.J. Barrett, who I think could certainly be the number number one pick in his own right. It just depends on what the New York Knicks or whoever gets the number one pick are looking for. Um, so Zion Williamson, AP Men's Player of the Year, dominating fashion, well-deserving. Sean McVay's house was burglarized to, uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday night, while no one was home. Uh, it's reported by TMZ Sports that $20,000 worth of merchandise was stolen, whether that be jewelry or purses. So uh, if you thought you, you were having a bad day, Sean McVay may be having a worse one. Um, the Vanderbilt Commodores signed Jerry Stackhouse to a six-year deal to become their new head coach. Uh, we're seeing a new trend in that where there are Teams are hiring, or universities are hiring players, former players, uh, whether that be college or the NBA, to be head coaches. You see, uh, Jerry now Jerry Stackhouse, Penny Hardaway, Brandon Roy uh, is having his name thrown around at a couple college programs. At, for instance, at Washington State, there were many who were saying that um, maybe Coog should take a look at hiring him before they went ahead and hired Kyle Smith. I think. Hiring a player is not a bad route to go, considering that um, they can relate to the players. They're on their side. They're a player's coach without even having to try to be one. They'll just instantly relate. And as a result, they'll probably get a lot of good recruits, uh, even if they're not at one of the top programs. Uh, Penny Hardaway is certainly hoping to do so or do that, just that. Gosh, if I could talk, that'd be awesome. At Memphis, and Memphis isn't 
it has history, certainly. With John Calipari, he had a heck of a team there that should have probably beat that Kansas team uh, in the championship game if they could make a free throw. But um, he's Penny Hardaway is hoping to bring that back. So uh, that was the news for today. It's now time for today's topics. All right, so today's topics include uh, the Alliance of American Football League, uh, how it quickly rose and then collapsed, uh, my final four picks, and then what else do I got? The uh, Just my take on the NBA playoffs, really. Just a little, um, just my thoughts on some outcomes maybe and uh, teams to look out for that could potentially uh, make some noise in the playoffs. So, without further ado, let's jump into the Alliance of American Football. I didn't really understand what was going on until I read an article by Tad uh, uh, Hazlop of SportingNews.com. Uh, I'm just going to kind of go off of a couple of tidbits here and there from the article. But here's essentially what happened. The Alliance of American Football is officially no more, and there are I, I posted some of these on my uh, page, GarrisonTalkSports.com. You can find it there. Uh, there are reports from former players saying they're being required to pay for flights home, pay medical expenses, pay hotel room bills, etc. When uh, the, AA, uh, the AAF suspended its football operations on Tuesday, the league told its players their termination date was April 3rd. Even though the AAF did leave open the possibility of a relaunch under new investment, Tuesday's suspension was viewed by most to be the end of the startup professional football league, which, by the way, just lasted eight weeks in 2019. Which begs the question, if this is indeed the end of the AAF, how and why did it fold so quickly? The answer to that question was elusive in the hours after the league, co-founded by Charlie Ebersol and Bill Polian, ceased to operate, but there was one common denominator among all the reports and theories as to what killed the AAF. His name is Tom Dundon. So Tom Dundon is the uh, owner of the NHL team, the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, actually. I didn't know this. But uh, it's it's the, worth noting the apparent collapse of the AAF is not related to TV ratings, actually. Action Network's Darren Ravel reported the league's TV ratings were respectable, though its inaugural season despite a significant drop-off after opening weekend. Instead, the collapse appears to be tied directly to Dundon. Um, let's see. He committed $250 million to the AAF in February, an investment that basically kept the league afloat, and he became the controlling owner of the league at that point, something Ebersol and Pullian might now regret, obviously. Uh, days before the AAF suspended football operations, Dundon told USA Today he needed cooperation from the NFL Players Association in order to feed current NFL players into the league and therefore maintain the AAF's viability, in Dundon's mind at least. Quote, if the players' union does, is not going to give us young players, we can't be a development league, end quote. So Dundon obviously saw the AAF as a basically a G League, just like in the NBA, uh, a league where players um, could be sent down, um, kind of like a um, it was basically a pool for NFL teams um, that maybe if the league grew, each team would have uh, their own 
AAF team in which they could send scout players uh, and then bring them up. You know, that's certainly a lofty goal. The uh, NBA's D-League has been in place for a long time, but you look over in Europe when it comes to basketball, they have academy teams that, that they have young prospects play for. And then when the, you know, the official pro team thinks they're ready, they bring them up just kind of like in uh, football or soccer, uh, as our friends across the pond call it, or football is what they call it, not soccer. Please don't go crazy on me for that one. <laughs> um, so it's the NFL certainly could have viewed that as a good idea. I thought, think that it sounds like a good idea. It's just football is so expensive and you already have the Canadian football league just, you know, up North. Why not just pull from there? In any case, um, uh, Bill Polian responded to, uh, Dundon's decision to basically liquidate the league saying, I am extremely disappointed to learn Tom Dundon has decided to suspend all football operations of the Alliance of American Football. Uh, Polian told this to ESPN. When Mr. Dundon took over, it was the belief of my co-founder, Charlie Ebersall, and myself that we would finish the season, pay our creditors, and make the necessary adjustments to move forward in a manner that made economic sense for all. The momentum generated by our players, coaches, and football staff had us well positioned for future success. Regrettably, we will not have that opportunity. Um, yeah, I watched a couple AAF games. Certainly not the talent level of the NFL by any means. That being said, uh, they the players played hard, good football. I liked some of the features where you were, the audience was allowed to be let in on the ref uh, re- replay review discussions. And a lot of players had mics on the field, so you could hear the players talking, could hear the coaches talking, um, which certainly created problems for the coaches, I'm guessing, if the other coaches heard play calls and whatnot. Um, but it was a it was a good idea. I It's not something I would probably sit down and watch a full game, but it kept me interested, that's for sure. Uh, Polian went on to say, I sincerely regret that many be- that believed in this project will see their hopes and efforts were unrewarded. They gave their best, for which I am deeply grateful. Unfortunately, Mr. Dundon has elected this course of action. So, for all intents and purposes, the AAF is over. Um, and it's unfortunate just uh, because America was given more football after the NFL uh, season was over. Moving on, it's time to talk some Final Four. Uh, The only team left in my bracket that I had going this far was Virginia. Actually, I think I might have Virginia and Michigan State. Let me go ahead and pull up the app that I have, thanks to ESPN Tournament Challenge. Hmm... I'm pretty sure I only have Virginia. I may have Michigan State in there as well. But that's just me guessing at the moment. While I'm staring at my phone, guys, uh, I've got some news via Bleacher Report. Demarcus Lawrence uh, and the Cowboys have agreed to a five-year extension worth more than $100 million. And that's courtesy of Ian uh, Rappaport. So... Good news. 
Okay, so I did have Michigan State in the Final Four. So I've got two Final Four teams. I am not doing too bad. Unfortunately, I had Gonzaga going to the final game, but that is not meant to be. And looking at my brackets, I am in the 93.1 percentile. So that is not too shabby if I do say so myself. Um, let's see here. By the way, congrats to Dugong Gone Wrong. <laughs> um, not sure. Let me see who that is. I'm guessing that's you, Jeff Wilson. Congratulations on having a better bracket than me currently, but we'll see how this shakes out. I could still come out on top of my uh, Garrison Talk Sports Tournament Challenge bracket. So um, I'm currently in second place, for those wondering. And Jeff Wilson, one of my uh, most active fans on Garrison Talk Sports, is in first currently. He has a score of 15-10. I have a score of 13-10. So... Could come down to the wire here, but he has Virginia and Michigan. You have Virginia and Michigan State in Jeff, so good picks on that. I only have Virginia, so I need Michigan State to lose uh, if I'm uh, have any chance of winning that. But in any case, uh, let's get to my picks. Final four, first game: Auburn versus Virginia. This is going to be a clash of style. Auburn has. A very fast-paced offense. They like to push the ball up court in transition. And, I mean, we saw them hang 97 points on North Carolina. So they're a team that can score in bunches. Uh, they're very aggressive on defense. They're very physical on defense. They force turnovers, hoping to jumpstart their quick attack offense. They shoot the ball well from three. Auburn is certainly a dangerous team, and Bruce Pearl has done an excellent job with the club. Uh, then you have Virginia. Tony Bennett has a special place in my heart, former Washington State coach. Um, uh, he runs the pack line defense, and to go with the pack line defense, he likes to control the tempo on offense. So you'll usually see Virginia walking the ball up the court. You'll see them taking care of the ball on offense, moving it from side to side, not in any hurry to score. And a lot of times, which... This frustrates a lot of people, but a lot of times they'll attack the hoop with eight seconds or less left on the shot clock, which many people say Virginia has a very ugly offense, to which I respond, have, you should have seen Washington State's offense. At least Tony Bennett has athletes at Virginia. At Washington State, he had guys, two-star recruits, guys like David Harmeling, Robbie Cowgill, Derek Lowe, Taylor Rochesty. Kyle Weaver was about the only athlete on that team. Oh, he did have Aaron Baines, too. Eventually, he would land Clay Thompson when he was starting to get the program up and running, and he was starting to land those athletes. But early on, he had a bunch of unathletic white guys. I hope that doesn't offend my uh, any PC people listening, <laughs> or SJWs. Let's not get into politics, though. So, Virginia's got a lot of athletes in their own right they usually have two bigs on the on the floor um i believe one of them is number 33 kyle salt i can't pronounce number 25's name the guy who hit the game tying shot against purdue 
um, to send it to overtime and save Virginia's season. But in any case, Virginia's defense is so fun to watch. Uh, they'll hedge out on screens. They'll double down in the post. Um, they have DeAndre Hunter, who reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard from San Diego State, uh, the way he plays defense. And uh, for people who knock Virginia's offense, they put up 80 points against Purdue, which isn't a bad, isn't a bad amount. So, as far as my pick goes for Virginia and Auburn, two totally different teams, I just think Virginia is going to come out on top. You look at Auburn, they lost their best player in Okiki against North Carolina. He blew out his ACL, which was really tough to see. He had 20 points early in, or midway through the second half at the time, so he could have finished with a lot more. He was stroking it from three. I think that is going to rear its ugly head, the injury bug as well as I think Auburn has more of a chance to be undisciplined against Virginia's defense, whereas Virginia is completely fine slowing the ball down, and this team has shown that they aren't going to get rattled like last year's team was. Last year's team, obviously the first one seed in NCAA history to lose to a 16 seed. This year they trailed by 16 to a 16 seed and ended up winning. So for me, Virginia is my pick to defeat Auburn. Moving on, Michigan State and Texas Tech. Michigan State certainly doesn't, they're not a fast-paced team by any right, but they're smart and they play tough. Uh, Texas Tech, I would say, is very similar to Virginia in their defensive scheme. Uh, it's not the pack line, but they play very hard-nosed physical defense. And uh, I was talking to my manager um, at Smart Fitness, and he and I BS about sports a lot. Um, he thinks if Virginia and Texas Tech were to make the championship game, that it would probably be the ugliest championship game in NCAA history. So I feel like because Michigan State has Tom Izzo, they're bound to win. He's just that good of a coach. He's that smart. He gets his players in position that well to succeed. And this is the this is a Michigan State team that, in my opinion, has the least talent of any of his recent teams. No real notable NBA draft, you know, lottery picks like in years past. And they've been plagued with injuries all season. So what he's been able to do this season to get his team to a 32-6 and record is astonishing, especially in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is, no, is not a laughable conference. There's good basketball up there. Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, obviously. Indiana has had its moments. So for me, you look at Tom Izzo's experience in the NCAA tournament, he has a very calming effect on his players if they were to get rattled. I've got to go with Michigan State over Texas Tech, although what Texas Tech did to Gonzaga is certainly an eye-opener. Now, my manager Brad would say that the refs, you know, the refs certainly uh, did not have their best day against Gonzaga, and I agree. But we got to give Texas Tech credit for what they did to that uh, firepower 
our offensive firepower team in Gonzaga. So for my final four picks, I've got Virginia moving on and Michigan State moving on to meet up in the championship game. I will reveal my pick on Monday for who I've got to win it all because, well, I've got, that's usually when I'll release an episode and um, I've, I'll just wait till then to see who I've got to win it all. Give me some more time to think about it. On top of that, I don't know who's there yet, so we shall wait and see. The NBA playoffs, let's go through that just a little bit here. We already went through the standings. Um, Golden State, obviously, is a favorite to come out on top of this one. Um, Milwaukee, I think, could be interesting. For once, the Eastern Conference actually has some intrigue. LeBron James is no longer in the Eastern Conference. So uh, the top four seeds, uh, any of them, I think, could end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and a stout supporting cast. Speaking of Milwaukee, they are so banged up with injuries, I did not know this. We take a look at their roster. They have Nikola Mirotic. He's out with injury. They have Mike, um, Michael Brogdon, or excuse me, Malcolm Brogdon, out with injury. Uh, they have, let's see, who else? Pau Gasol, he's out with injury. Not that he's had a st- uh, stellar season. Dante DiVincenzo, out with injury. So if they're able to get all of those guys back in time for the playoffs, I keep forgetting they have Eric Bledsoe. He's an outstanding pro. I feel like the Bucks certainly could go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, especially led by an MVP candidate, the Greek freak Antetokounmpo. You look at Toronto, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, and Mark Gasol. What a trio. Mark Gasol, to me, adds that element that Toronto was missing. He can score from the inside. He can score from the outside. He's a better passer than Valanchunas ever was. Good rebounder. He's an excellent big, and I think could be the missing piece for Toronto. I could see Toronto coming out of the East. Philadelphia, I'm not sure I see the same potential as Milwaukee, Toronto, or Boston, but there's still such a danger. Ben Simmons is a freak can usually get to the paint at any time. Still needs to work on his jump shot. If he wants to be a great pro, he'll work on that. But Joel Embiid, by himself, makes Philadelphia a scary team to match up with. Boston, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. And then the bench comes off and plays team basketball. They've got one of the best head coaches in the league in um, Brad Stevens. Any of those four seeds, I think, could go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. Philadelphia, the thing I forgot about them was their pickup of Tobias Harris, that stretch four. He could really uh, provide an extra boost to Philly as we go into the playoffs. 
The Western Conference, I'm not nearly as excited about just because Golden State's there and they have the Monstar roster. Seriously, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. Are you kidding me? And you're, you, you think I'm going to pick against them? That's tough to do. Denver, I think, provides them with some interesting challenges. Houston took them to seven games last year, but their rostered makeup to me just isn't as impressive this year. Oklahoma City, athletically, could go toe-to-toe with Golden State, but they're just Russell Westbrook. I'm not hating on the guy, but he's just not a smart IQ basketball player. He's not. The mental errors he makes, the bad shots he takes... I just don't think Oklahoma City could take down Golden State. Portland was a dark horse for me until uh, uh, Nurkic went down with that gruesome leg injury. I'm just not that excited about the Western Conference playoffs. I'm really not. To me, Golden State is almost an instant lock to come out. So it's basically Golden State and whoever comes out of the East. That's the playoff preview I'm giving you. (laughs) Not exciting, I know, but that's the NBA where we've been given, thanks to Kevin Durant's spineless decision of going to Golden State. Here's hoping that in free agency this year we see some shakeup. Maybe Golden State suddenly doesn't look as dominating. And don't get me wrong, even if KD leaves, they're still going to be a hell of a team. But it just won't look quite so dominating. So, in any case, that is the end of today's topics for this episode. Let's go ahead and head for uh, my closing remarks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Garrison Talk Sports. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to my channel on the Anchor app or one of these 11 other podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play Music, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Podbean, and Radio Public. I'd also greatly appreciate it if you guys were willing to support this podcast by making a small monthly donation to ensure future episodes. The link for donations can be found in the show's notes on Anchor. I'm going to be attempting to have a show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and doing so takes a lot of time and effort. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time here on Garrison Talk Sports.